she's looking to to go back she like of course her uh, own house her own uh, bedroom but at the same time she's so afraid because her house doesn't exist anymore they demolished the whole area hi i'm patrick butler senior vice president of content and community at the international center for journalists welcome to chasing the story the ICFJ podcast that gives the mic back to journalists. In every episode, an outstanding journalist takes us behind the scenes to explain how they chased and landed a major story. Today, we're going to hear from Syrian journalist Mace Kat. After the Danish government assessed that Damascus was now safe enough for Syrian refugees to go home, Mace and other journalists in Europe teamed up. They knew they needed to tell the stories of these refugees who had to leave Denmark, a country that turned from safe haven to another place they had to flee from. Mace is a freelance investigative reporter who focuses on the Middle East and has covered the Syrian war closely for 10 years. She is also a media trainer for ICFJ and was a panelist in our Arabic language Pamela Howard Forum on Global Crisis Reporting. She is also a participant in LEAP, ICFJ's News Innovation Lab. This is her story. My name is May Scott. I'm a Syrian journalist based in the Netherlands. I'm an investigative journalist with a deep focus on the Middle East and conflict areas. I covered the Syrian war closely for almost 10 years and I work on cross-border stories and I publish with European and Arab media. The Syrian refugees started to come to Europe in 2013. Most of them, they arrived in 2015 during the refugee crisis. Of course, at that time, Denmark started giving, just like the other uh, European countries, the refugee permits for two or three years. The people, they, they need to renew their uh, permits after the two or, or uh, three years. The Danish uh, government uh, in 2018 started a very big uh, study about Damascus. And in 2019, they claimed Damascus and other parts of the country as a safe. And they wanted the Syrian people to go back to Syria. At that time, a lot of uh, Syrian people, they were so afraid of not uh, getting the renewal of their uh, asylum uh, again. The Danish government uh, stopped absolutely renewing uh, a lot of uh, permits. And a lot of uh, people, children, women, men and uh, old people, they uh, were supposed to go back again to Syria or they were very afraid to uh, not renewing their permits again. Even the, the conflict became much less than before in, in Syria, but the dictatorship is still there. And a big part of people running away or leaving the country is being under the control of the Syrian regime. And that's why a lot of people, they are so afraid uh, of going back to Syria. Uh, the Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, and a lot of organizations, they made studies and they proved that a lot of people that they went back to Syria, they were arrested or disappeared or tortured. Even 
though all these organizations, they made uh, these studies and they proved that Syria is not safe for people to go back uh, there. But uh, the Danish government, they still wanted to claim Damascus as a safe uh, city. A lot of places, the cities, neighborhood uh, in, uh, in Syria, like they were totally demolished. The government uh, demolished the whole neighborhoods and they have uh, plans to rebuild uh, these places. And then the refugees, they don't have any place to go back. And that's also the Danish government. They didn't take this in their consideration. I interviewed a woman in Denmark for our Guardian story. And she told me that every night she has the same dream. She is sleeping and she feels like she is awake. She opened the door of her bedroom in the morning. And then she see Al-Kabun, her little uh, city in the countryside of Damascus. She can see the whole Al-Kabun is destroyed, except her own room. And she sees that every day because she's so afraid of going back to the demolished little city. She's looking to to go back she like of course her uh, own house her own uh, bedroom but at the same time she's so afraid because her house doesn't exist anymore they demolished the whole area i am a refugee myself i arrived to the netherlands in 2010 and we as a family applied for asylum and i became a dutch uh, citizen and since then i live in the netherlands i, I never went back to syria or to Damascus, my home city. Like all the Syrian people, I, I would really love to, to go back there one day, but it is not possible. That also, as a refugee, this story meant a lot for me because I really feel how these people can be so afraid of uh, going back to Syria. And I know exactly how it is possible or not possible to go back. The Danish government, they don't have any relation with the Syrian government. So they cannot just uh, put the Syrian people back, put them in, in a plane and send them back to Damascus because they need, usually, when you want to send the refugees uh, back, uh, you need to make a kind of agreement, you need to make a preparation with the country and to uh, guarantee the safety of these people when they go back. But because they don't have any relation with the Syrian government, that's why this procedure was impossible. And nobody knows why Denmark wanted just to stop giving the permits to the Syrian refugees. Uh, they didn't send them back, but at the same time, they took their houses from them. They were not allowed even to rent a house uh, officially or to have a job or to even to go to school. And that actually scared people more and more. Uh, that's why a lot of people start fleeing Denmark. They had also to go to a kind of uh, preparation camps. And these camps were in a very bad situation. Uh, it was not allowed for us or for uh, any journalist uh, in Denmark uh, to see the refugee camps. We didn't get any permit to see, but we got a lot of photos and videos from inside these camps. They were so dirty, incredible. It's very strange how Denmark can treat people like this. Uh, there's no service at all. People were not allowed to go out in a time that they want. There's no privacy. It's uh, You have to share toilets and baths and the kitchen with uh, many other people. Uh, the plan was to send them uh, back to Syria, but actually there was uh, no plan. 
the plan doesn't exist and it didn't arrive at all. People after that started to flee from uh, Denmark to the other countries where they were thinking that they can apply for asylum again. The big problem that all the people, when they want to apply for asylum in another country in Europe, they cannot really go into the procedure because those countries, they are supposed to send them back to Denmark according to Dublin Agreement. So at the same time, these European countries, they didn't agree with Denmark that Damascus is a safe country. And that made a very big problem for those countries because they cannot send the Syrian people to Denmark again and they cannot go on with the procedures with them in the other countries in Europe. That made uh, a very big uh, problem between all these countries and they were f so confused when we uh, start talking to the uh, immigration offices and ministry. So they had to stay for months without starting any asylum procedure. Lighthouse Reports is the Dutch media organization. They are doing investigations and cross-border uh, projects and I've been uh, in a contact with them, working with them on and off since 2017. And they started following up uh, this news about uh, Denmark and the Syrian refugees. And we had a talk together and we start working as a team in a kind of a small collaborative newsroom. More and more partners were joining uh, from Sweden, from Germany, from Belgium and the Netherlands and of course Syria. We had a kind of weekly meeting. We were talking about the situation, about the plan that we want to work on and things were a, a little bit challenging at the beginning. We didn't know how to find people, of course, and how to uh, start our project and the team became bigger and bigger. I remember that empathy was there all the time. I think in the journalism, you need always to be very professional, very objective, but at the same time, having the empathy and thinking about people makes good stories. Within our meetings, we were talking about many different things, but what we really wanted to do is making many different stories and publish these stories in the biggest media in Europe and make the public knows about what's going on. We wanted also the things to reach to very high level, to be like a topic that also uh, can be discussed political level and then finding a kind of solution for these uh, Syrian people. Of course, the, the big challenge was finding the people to be interviewed. The Syrian people are always so afraid. They, they have a big fear uh, from uh, uh, being interviewed or being in a, on the media. Most of them, they don't want uh, to, to talk to us uh, as a journalist, and they are so afraid about uh, their own safety or the safety or of their families inside Syria. In Syria, when when you uh, talk to a Western media or even when you write a post on Facebook or you express yourself in somehow, uh, you can be simply arrested. Yeah, that's why it was a very big challenge to find people to be interviewed. We tried in every possible way. And then I found out that the, the best way is to find people through Facebook. I joined almost every single Facebook group related to the Syrian refugees in Europe. I posted 
a lot of uh, posts and I asked people to help me, to talk to me and to connect me. At the end, uh, I start talking to some people. And of course, when uh, you start finding some people, they can also connect you with the others, with their friends, with their families. And I ended up talking to like many of them every day, but so few of them agreed to be uh, interviewed and be part of our stories. It was also so hard to my uh, European colleagues to find the uh, Syrian people because it's so hard to, to find the right access to the Syrian community. That's why I ended up participating in all stories in this project. And maybe it is very good point here to talk about how important to have people from the communities from the country that we are working on so whenever we work on Africa we need also a local journalists we need the people that they grew up there they know the language the other important challenge that we face is the data and the numbers of people we were trying to find the number of the Syrian people fleet Denmark, the Danish government were not really interested in finding this data. They saw that, okay, people are fleeing Denmark and that's fine. And uh, if uh, they want to come to the preparation camps, they can come. Uh, otherwise, if they go, they don't, they didn't really care. So they didn't have any data to give uh, to us. They didn't have any numbers. At the end, we collected the possible uh, number of the different uh, offices in uh, the different countries. And uh, that helped us to, to make a kind of overview about what's uh, going on. When I started interviewing people and finding different stories, it was really heartbreaking to talk to these people that they had to split their families. This was the, the most painful thing, I think, in the whole uh, process. Because, like, for example the husband or the father stayed in Denmark while the mother and the kids, they moved to another country to have a plan B. For example, the man that we interviewed for our story in Der Spiegel, he was in, in Denmark while his the wife and his the three children, they were in Germany. They stayed there for one year. Children start speaking German. They start going to schools also. Uh, they wanted to go to university. They didn't get their uh, asylum. Another woman also, she left her husband in Denmark and she moved to Belgium with her two sons. And one of the sons decided to go back to uh, Denmark. All these kind of uh, sad stories were happening. Families were splitting and uh, old people, they were so confused. They didn't know what to do. Uh, some of them, they went back to Turkey or to a country close to Syria because they were also so afraid to stay in Europe. At the end, we published these uh, stories in five uh, different countries, uh, seven languages at the same day in the biggest uh, media in Europe that made a very big impact. We finished all our stories and we prepared for the publication and I prepared my own uh, story in Arabic also and in English and uh, we wanted uh, to publish at the end of 2021, last year. 
But we heard that the Minister of the Immigration in Denmark, he had kind of a meeting, a public meeting with the European Parliament in January. So we postponed the publication and we just published our stories just a few days before uh, his interview with the, the European Parliament. We published and then at the same day, it was like a huge thing because all these uh, big medias, they published big stories and first pages and everything. And the Danish media uh, covered what happened and they republished our stories also in the Danish media. And then we sent all our stories to the European uh, Parliament members. We were sure that they, they know uh, about our stories and about our projects. And actually, when they interviewed him, uh, they confronted him with our stories. And uh, I remember that, that the Dutch uh, parliament member, she told him, how can you close your eyes and sleep in the night while you are causing all this suffer for, for these families? And uh, of course, he didn't answer our question. But after like a few days, our story from Germany, the person that we interviewed, he called me and he told me that he get a political asylum in Denmark. And that was really, really great. Uh, even uh, I try to be very professional and uh, to, to catch myself and to be strong, but I had to cry and instead of him. So he was crying. I was crying on the phone. I was very, very happy for him and for his family. Also, after three weeks, the other man from uh, our Belgium story, he uh, texted me and he told me that he got the asylum political asylum and he's able to bring his family back from Belgium to Denmark. Uh, that was also very emotional. Uh, after that, almost all of the people that we interviewed, they got uh, political asylums and uh, they were able to stay in Denmark. Mace, thank you so much for walking us through such an important investigative process. Listeners, thank you for being with us. We will be back in two weeks with another compelling story. If you liked this episode, please follow us on social media at ICFJ and subscribe to our newsletter at ICFJ.org. And if you'd like to support other inspiring journalists like Mace, please register for our 2022 Tribute to Journalists on November 10th. The link for that will be in the show notes, along with links to Mace's stories and social media. <laughs>